Here we are, guys, Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve and probably a year that didn't work out like anyone expected it. Well, guys, if you've been with us for the last few weeks, you know uh, that we've been looking at the opening of John's Gospel uh, for a really unique reason. Uh, John, the author, the author of the book of John, uh, he basically presents the Christmas story in a way like you've never heard it before. We tend to think of it as like the Charlie Brown Christmas, uh, the, the passage from Luke that Lisa read, you know? There was a woman and she became pregnant and all that, but John presents the, the arrival of Jesus in a very different way. Where we tend to think of it as there was a virgin who became pregnant, he tells the story as God came down to earth. And so that's what we've been doing. And I want to close out our, st our uh, study of that tonight. If you say, oh my gosh, I haven't been here for the other four, that's okay for two reasons. One, you can always go online to our site and we have all, we'll have our sermons up for you to get caught up on or our Facebook page. And also, I always like to give you the Cliff Notes version before I get started anyway, because I don't assume everybody remembers everything I said, okay? So here it goes. John paints the picture of Jesus' birth as the arrival of God on the earth. We begin with this strange person refer, refer, referred to as the Word, who although he is God, he, we are also told that he has a relationship with God. Thus we read, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus comes bringing a way, a way to be restored to life the way it was meant to be lived. As the Bible calls it, eternal life. Or as John opens up with it, in him was the life, and that life was the light of men. He accomplishes this by taking on a human nature and by being born a man. Thus we read in verse 14, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. However, Rather than being received as the Savior he was by the people who should be most aware of this, many of them reject Jesus, even though they should have been excited to see him. Thus we read, he came to his own, to his own people, but his own people did not receive him. But what about those who would receive him? Well, they received the ultimate gift, a place in God's family as his adopted children. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Like all gifts, however, Jesus isn't bringing a set of rules to earn your way back to God, but a blessing to be received. Because, if you, because a gift isn't something you earn, it's something you receive. Thus we read in verse 17, for the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So that's what we've covered thus far, and that all brings us up to our final line of the passage for tonight. John chapter 1, verse 18, which reads, No one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side, He has made Him known. So, I like to do this with every sermon. I like to give you uh, what I call the big idea. It is, the if you forget everything else you, that I say here tonight, Please remember this. Also, if you're a note taker, this is kind of the thing you probably want to write down in your notes. The idea I want you to remember from this passage is simple. Jesus is the only way to know God. With his last words here, having explained all that Jesus is as God who took on a human nature, who came to his own and was rejected, but to those who received him, he gave the right to become the children of God. 
Here, John ends his, his, his intro, his prologue, with one last statement, reminding us there is no other way. See, many people in religions will tell you that there are many ways to God, but the Bible squashes that idea really quickly, telling us that there is only one way to have a relationship with God, and that is through Jesus. As we will see, Christ has a special position which allows him to accomplish which no one else will do. Thus, Jesus is the only way to know God, except no substitutes. So how do we see that here? Well, we see that Jesus is God's message to man. We read, no one has ever seen God. Now, this will seem either obvious to some of us or strange to some of us. You see, after all, most of us would say, well, of course, I've never seen God, like face to face. However, if you know your Old Testament, you know that there are times when God seems to reveal himself to people. He speaks to Abraham, he wrestles with Jacob, he appears before Moses, and Isaiah sees him in the temple. How then can John say that no one has ever seen God before? I mean, he could say, most of us haven't seen God before, right? Except those lucky few. Well, John clarifies this statement a little bit later in his gospel. What he means when he says this. Uh, Jesus tells his disciples this in John chapter 6, verse 45. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. That is Jesus saying He says, not that anyone has seen the Father, except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. Jesus clarifies that it is God the Father who has never been seen. Later on, he tells one of his disciples, Philip, in John chapter 14, Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? So, when God wants to reveal himself, he always sends the Son. All those interactions with God we find and read about in the Old Testament, they were interacting with Jesus even before he was born. Or as some people say, they were meeting the pre-incarnate Christ. That is to say, when God wants to speak to us and, reveals, uh, and, and, and reveal himself to us, he sends the Son. The message God has for us is Jesus. Pretty fitting then that, Jesus, that John would open his gospel. In the beginning was the Word. Because Jesus is the message that God wants to share with us. But why is it that Jesus is the only way? Well, that brings me to my next point. Jesus alone knows God perfectly. John says, the only God who is at the Father's side. So God, John goes back to an idea that he has already introduced. That Jesus both is God and is also with God. A great mystery that Christians speak of when we speak of the Trinity. We believe that there is only one God, but that God exists in three persons. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we see this idea at play here yet again. The only God, as in there is no other, who is at the Father's side. So here we see that there is one only God, one God, but that Jesus also interacts with him. Therefore, Jesus was the only one fit for the task of bringing us into a relationship with the creator of heaven and earth. He is both God and the son of God. The imagery of Jesus being at the father's side here is a way to describe intimacy. 
Imagine the picture of letting your children curl up next to you on the couch while you watch a movie at night. But that's the way Jesus is described in relationship with God the Father here. It's, a, it's an example of absolute closeness. He knows God in a way that no one else knows because he is intimately acquainted with him. Some translations read literally, who is at the Father's bosom. So what does Jesus do with this intimate knowledge of God? So we have this idea that there is no one has seen God the Father, but Jesus Christ, the only God who is with the Father at the Father's side, then we read, He has made him known. See, Jesus has revealed to us who God is. The word here for made known, uh, sorry, this is the only time I'll use uh, nerd speak tonight, is exegesado in the original language. It's where we get another word we still use in English called exegesis from. Literally, it's saying that he, the Son has exegeted the Father. Now, if you don't understand that word, if you've never heard of that word, it's totally understandable. It's preacher speak. Basically, this is what Bible teachers do. They offer exegesis. That means they... What, what, a, what a preacher, if they're worth their salt, does is they get really deep into the word in studying it so that they can deliver to the audience the message from that passage. That's what Jesus is. He is a living exposition of God. He is a living description of God's word in flesh and blood. That's what we see here. They did... Uh, someone exegetes when they dig deep to make un to understand the meaning of something. That's what Jesus does. He has the deepest knowledge of God, being intimately acquainted with him. And because of that deep knowledge, he shares it with us. That's the beauty of the gospel we celebrated at Christmas time. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's the idea. In other words, Jesus is the storyteller, fit to tell the story of God to the whole world. Which brings me to one last question. What is the message of that story? If Jesus came to tell a story to the world, to make known who God is and what he is like and what he wants you to know, what is the message he wants to get across? What news is so critical that God would send his only son to tell us it? Simple. We read it in one of the most important passages in all the Bible. John 3, 16 and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. This is what Jesus came to do, to restore a sinful, lost world to a holy God. Paul the Apostle puts it this way in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. The good news of Jesus is simple, guys. God sent his son to restore us to a right relationship with him. He removes our guilt. And then did you catch what the last part of what Paul said there? He sends us out to tell that story to others. In Jesus, we have the perfect description of God, the perfect storyteller to tell the story of God to the world. But then having told us, having received that message, he then sends us out 
to tell the story to others. And so, as we as we move to, as we move to close out our service, as I close out my message, what we're going to do is something uh, that churches do quite often. We're going to light our candles, and I asked a few people uh, to come and light from the big candles up here. They're going to come. Uh, and light their candles and they're going to walk around the aisles and light yours and I want you to light the next person next to you and not set anyone on fire in the process of doing such and then we're going to worship together with these uh, with our candles lit because this is the beauty of the story we receive from Jesus and then we go and we tell that news to others the word became flesh and dwelt among us That's, if that tells us anything guys it should tell us that the message of Jesus is best carried when it is also lived out in actual life. 